Welcome to the CFB Winning Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman, and I am joined today by Xavier Trish and the owner and proprietor of the CFBWinningEdge.com and the Patreon and all the stuff and things, Nicholas Ian Allen. Nick, what is going on, man? Well, I am finally catching my breath. Uh, we've been waiting all summer for uh, depth charts to come out. So we can update all our numbers and, and all of that. And about 120 FBS programs decided that uh, they would release them all at the exact same time, which on the one hand is great. On the other hand, it's been a busy 48 hours, but uh, ready to start talking about some week one games. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm always looking at the depth chart, right? I'm always just kind of perpetually on it and staring and all that stuff. And then I always see the logo. For you on the CFB winning edge. I'm like, yep, here he is. He's going through and doing all this stuff right now. So it is, uh, I mean, especially this is the worst time of year for it, of course, because all the stuff is coming out and like, I can't keep up with the reports and I'm not following it half as hard as you are. You know, I'm looking more for offensive things and I still missing stuff on my show yesterday. I talked about Dwayne Eskridge and uh, how I'm like, well, you know, he's pretty good. He's the leading receiver coming back. And I just, for whatever reason, it fell through the cracks for me that he moved to defensive back. So uh, I think they were initially thinking that he was going to do both, but then I read, yeah, it looks like that's just going to stick. He's just a DB now. So yeah, uh, all yeah, the stuff's we, falling through the cracks a little bit for me, but you're on it. <laughs> well, we're, we're trying our best. Want to keep all of our uh, Patreon supporters informed, make sure all our depth charts are as good as they can possibly be. And of course, we're not 100% perfect, but uh, we think that we uh, do just as good a, a job as anybody out there and, and hopefully better. So uh, we have gone through updated our ratings and our rankings today just sent out a note uh, earlier today, Wednesday, that uh, we've got a new number one team in the team strength ratings. Uh, Alabama was hit hard uh, by the injury bug, lost uh, Dylan Moses, a uh, All-American candidate middle linebacker to an ACL tear. And then they've got uh, reportedly four uh, pretty key contributors, three of which are expected to start uh, in week one, uh, suspended for the first half. So uh, we went ahead and removed them from the starting lineup as well. So that actually knocked Alabama out of the top spot. And uh, Clemson is our new number one, at least for now. I would expect Alabama might uh, jump them again next week, but uh, we will have to see. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of injuries coming down. And, uh, you know, the injury reports are somewhat ambiguous, but. I, I, we at least had some action going on, and and uh, Xavier, I know, was that's not. A, that's a great way to call it. Action, not, yeah. Not exactly excited about what was going on with uh, the week zero, if you will, football. But Xavier, I mean, look, it, you know, Miami and Florida was it. It was competitive. It was close. <laughs> Uh, it came down to the wire. I'm trying to use other words that uh -huh. don't say it was also sloppy. Um, it was uh, turnover laden. It was ugly football. And that's understandable. I mean, you know, it's week one of the season. It's kind of it's kind of a good thing that they played this game in Florida uh, because of the, what the weather looks like this weekend in, in Florida. But um, what did you think of uh, Florida 24 over Miami? 20 like what uh what do you what was your first impression of jaron williams and what do you think of this game overall 
Well, first impressions of Jaron Williams is he, he's he's a tough sob. Like that that's the first thing. Um, because if I was sitting in the pocket and got sacked ten times, I would have left on a stretcher, and not even because I was injured, just because I didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> I would have been done. Uh, I would yeah. But that game was like if you hand your mom NCAA fourteen and try to coach her through a football game. <laughs> And, and you're like, just run the ball in the fourth quarter. We have the lead. Well, I want to throw it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Try it. And you throw an interception, and then you're like pulling your hair out because you have an opportunity to lose the game now. It was, for, for, for all intents and purposes, I would rather week zero be a week that doesn't count. Um, I would love for there to be somewhat of a one-game type preseason for college football. It's the only it's the only level of football that doesn't have an exhibition week. Uh, high school football has it in most states. Obviously, the pros have preseason. But as you can clearly see, these kids need a a week of real pad-on-pad contact against another team that may not count, but they need it. Um, I understand that they have school and things of that nature, but after watching these week's games, I mean, sloppy is a very, very safe word to use. It was abysmal at times. Uh, the tackling, the the decision-making, it was it – was, eh. Uh, it was tough to watch. So. <laughs> I think yeah is probably the right word uh, to use to describe these games. And uh, Nick, I mean, uh, your your boys, Hawaii, who <laughs> I just got done singing their fight song, by the way. And uh, now you know it. So you're welcome. But um, <laughs> Hawaii beat Arizona. Um, a little bit of a surprise here. Forty five thirty eight. I know my guy, Justin, on on campus who I'm recording within about two hours after this, we'll say that how, how he wasn't surprised at all. But I just don't understand how Arizona lost this game. They got six turnovers to one, and they still end up losing this game. It was on the road. Hawaii is the team that benched their starting quarterback, not the U of A. So it was just <laughs> uh, it was a little bit crazy, and I know you were up to watch this whole game. I was, yeah. I uh, tried my best never to miss a Hawaii game if I can help it and uh, they did a, a favor kicking off an hour and a half earlier than they usually do I was able to get to bed around three instead of uh, four uh, so it, you know it was an exciting game I, I actually uh, failed to mention last week I, I know that our numbers uh, actually had basically the same projected point spread as what ended up being the uh, you know what the odds makers put out there at around 11 i think we had arizona favored by 10.96 uh so uh technically uh we we uh our numbers had uh hawaii expected to cover i was actually personally leaning toward arizona i was really expecting the wildcats to lean heavily on the run game um they had uh, a real advantage at the line of scrimmage, as far as I was concerned. Um, Hawaii does have a, a good pass rush um, and does have some some guys that have uh, a quick first step. And, and as we saw at that last play, uh, some guys that can cover some ground uh, as well. Um, the uh, defensive lineman, Manley Williams, tracking down Khalil Tate on the one-yard line. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little bit surprised that Arizona didn't sort of flex its muscle in this game. I thought it was definitely a uh, missed opportunity. Uh, was encouraged by what I saw from Khalil Tate. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, some sloppiness. Cole McDonald, Hawaii quarterback with four picks. It's not very often that you throw for, what, 380-something yards and, and get benched uh, and four touchdowns and, and get benched. But, yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, kind of a, a weird, wild game, but uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to complain uh, about some football in week zero. We were we were waiting what 90 days, whatever it was. So uh, I was happy to see it, and uh, and just briefly on Florida, I I, uh, I I watched that replay a couple of times and tweeted this out the other day. You might have seen it that uh, uh, we of course were pretty heavy on Florida expected them to win by about two touchdowns, or at least the numbers did. Um, and after watching it again, uh, I feel pretty comfortable with that projection. I think, uh, the Gators definitely looked like the better team in the first quarter. Uh, I think Mullen was, uh, going for the throat, there to to really go up by two scores kept going for it on fourth down uh but the fumble in the red zone really sort of turned the tide and uh, kept miami in that game and then a lot of fumble luck miami uh fumbled oh, yeah. i think five times and recovered all of them mm-hmm. um so you know that that game could have gone uh sideways for the hurricanes in a hurry uh, i think they were pretty fortunate to keep it as close as they did i think I'd be pretty confident if uh, they were to play, if these two teams were to play again this week, I'd feel pretty confident uh, with Florida as about a 7 to 10 point favorite. But uh, that might be an unpopular opinion. Uh, and I know there were some struggles, obviously, but um, I think this Florida team is going to get itself corrected with the off week and then an FCS opponent. Uh, that somewhat uh, preseason style game, I guess, if you get an FCS opponent earlier in the in the year as Xavier was talking about, but uh, yeah, you know, some football is better than no football in my opinion. So <laughs> I thought we, I thought week zero was great. Yeah. I, I'm with that too. Like I, I'm, I'm just happy that uh, games are going. And of course, you know, as people are listening to this uh, it's kicking off today and let's get into uh, the week one uh, games that we all picked here and Utah at BYU. Now I think Nick, did you pick this one? This is one that that really stuck out to me, and and for our listeners, just uh, to give you a heads up at, at sort of what we're going to be talking about, uh, we each chose three games that we really wanted to spend a little time on, and then uh, it made sense to to also throw in probably what we'd all consider the game of the week as well, the only game that's got a, a pair of ranked teams going at it. Uh, but each week we'll we'll try to do a deep dive into roughly 10 games. Um, and then, of course, if you want to know what our numbers think or our opinions of uh, the rest of the slate, uh, check us out at patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. We do release all of that to our patrons each week. But uh, we're going to start with 10 games that really, for whatever reason, stuck out to the three of us. And, and the first one up uh, for me is is Utah traveling to uh, Provo to face arch-rival BYU. Um, I've, I've been on the record pretty much all offseason, very high on Utah. Um, I was a little nervous. when I'm surprised the- you haven't gotten gear sent to you. <laughs> you you've been very in on Utah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I really have liked Utah. And the uh, when the when the numbers, uh, that very first uh, batch sort of popped out in, I don't know, it was like March or something. Uh, I was surprised at how high uh, the Utes were in our ratings because last year uh, our numbers really didn't like Utah very much. And, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that from a, a pure talent standpoint, 
and like their 247 sports recruiting ratings, the Utes don't really stack up very well in the Pac-12. So it was a surprise to see them in the top 20. And I really thought, you know, we were going to have maybe a unique perspective. But other people I know have also jumped on, been high on the Utes. Bill Connolly's SP Plus numbers are, are high on Utah, I believe, and and Phil Steele listed them as a number one surprise team and, and all of that. So uh, leading up to the season, you know, uh, it, it seemed like maybe they were going to be a dark horse, but then in the Pac-12 media day, they're picked to win the league. So um, now I'm a little bit nervous. Maybe I was too high on Utah. Now I'm, I'm everybody's <laughs> jumping on board. You know, I'm... I'm too much uh, time. It, it's too much time went by, and now you're second-guessing. This is what the offseason mm-hmm. does to us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It does. It does. But still, you know, even with that little shred of doubt, uh, the numbers expect Utah to, to uh, win this game. Um, uh, we do knock down our home field advantage a little bit. It, it might sound counterintuitive because it's a rivalry game, uh, but we actually knock down the home field advantage a little bit because uh, I did a study at MajorWager.com earlier uh, this spring, actually, that showed that teams within 100 miles of one another, the the home field advantage is severely limited. Um, And we can get into all the details about that another time or or maybe go read that piece uh, from earlier this year. But So we decided to to pull that back a little bit. Um, And uh, even with that, Utah's projected to win this game by over nine points, according to uh, our team strength ratings. Um, and I'm looking at real quick, Nick. I'm just looking at the the Vegas Insider. This opened at Utah in favor by six and a half. The over fifty seven and a half, but it has come way down. I don't know why it opened up that high because every other uh, thing that I'm looking at has it either at forty eight or forty eight and a half for the over. But the six and a half in Utah's favor has stuck. So that's what the line looks at in most spots right now. Yeah, yeah, and it, it crept down a little bit, but in the last few days, um, it's it's jumped back up. So I do feel a little bit better about that. But yeah, I, I think the Utes uh, really have a talent advantage in this game. I think uh, a healthy Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss back, who didn't play in the game last year, where the Utes came uh, came from behind and and really kind of stole a victory at home uh, against BYU last year. Um, but, uh, this defensive line is, is one of the best in the country. Uh, we have it ranked seventh in our, um, our, uh, team strength ratings for, for the defensive line. Um, and the, the defense as a whole is a top six unit, according to our numbers. So, uh, contrast that with a BYU team that's been hovering around 70, uh, all off season. And, and I think Utah is going to, going to get it done. Uh, our final score prediction, which our, uh, patron saw earlier today, uh, is, Utah 28, BYU 20 on this one. Now, Xavier, what do you think of this game? It's uh, it, uh, obviously, like Nick mentioned, rivalry game. Um, Because uh, I, I, to, to, to me, I feel like this is a Utah ass kicking. And I, 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 I say that because Utah is at their full strength right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, they've been hit by the injury bug recently. Huntley got hurt at the end of last year. Moss got hurt at the end of last year. So at full strength, I feel like they're they're ready to rip roar and ready to go. And Utah, I don't know, they're just they're they're not on the same level uh, as uh, or uh, BYU is not on the same level as Utah to me. So what do you think? I'm, I'm you know I'm not going to disagree with you here. I think that you're right. Utah fully healthy is a team to be reckoned with. Um, and I think that 
Nick, don't don't get scared. I think the hype <laughs> may be real for Utah this year. Um, but you're absolutely right. BYU is just overmatched in this game, and uh, especially now after Nick mentions the fact that uh, it's not as much of an, a, a home field advantage as we originally might have thought it was. I, I see Utah running buckshot over these guys. Uh, it, for more, more than anything, what I want to see from the Utah team is how good are they? And what I mean by that is, is, is how many points will they put up on BYU? Um, you know, I think that week one is an opportunity, and I'll, and I'll kind of reiterate this later in one of the picks that I have, is a week to show style points against a, a team that has a name at the very least. And BYU, although they're not a powerhouse by any means, they, they, they carry some type of weight with them. They, they've had big wins in the last couple of years. You know, they're a relevant team in the sense of if you said BYU around a bunch of college football fans, they would know exactly who you're talking about. So for Utah, I want to see how good they can be. Um, if they were to go out there and they beat BYU by seven, maybe it's time to slow the train a little bit. But if they go out there ripping and roaring, like you're saying, and they win by 20, 27 points, you know, if they completely blow them out of the water – then that's a team that, you know, we can obviously see continue on the same momentum and win the, uh, the Pac-12. So that's what I want to see from Utah this week. Uh, the, the Do you have any more on this game, Nick, or are we moving to the next game? Well, just the, the last thing that probably deserves mention, uh, BYU sophomore quarterback Zach Wilson was literally perfect in the Cougars uh, bowl game. So... Has definitely a, a high ceiling, um, is a, a player to watch down the line, but I just think that, that Utah's a deeper team and a more talented team. So um, this this rivalry has been close in recent years, but Utah has mm-hmm. dominated uh, the final score. So uh, expect it to be hard fought, but, but I think Utah gets it done uh, by at least a touchdown. Now, uh, the first game that I picked here, and it's because I looked at the line and I went, really? <laughs> really? Because uh, the game that I picked is UMass at Rutgers. And uh, when I looked at the line, Rutgers was favored by 15 points. And oh, yeah. I just don't know the last time I saw them favored in a game like that. Now I'm looking at their schedule from last season, and they did have, they had a huge victory, um, which was uh, they beat Texas State 35 to 7. Uh, and they had some good games. I mean, they were in it against Eastern Michigan, who, of course, beat Purdue. Uh, they beat Morgan State down, but that's, you know, Morgan State. So uh, I- I'm not I'm not about that. But, um, <laughs> you know, th- there's they-, they were they were in it with Michigan State. So this team went kind of back and forth. They only they only lost by 13 to Penn State by 14 to Wisconsin. So they they there are a couple games where they definitely beat their line. But this game, I don't know. I'm, and I know UMass is replacing a, a lot, right, Nick? I mean, they've got uh, Curtis was supposed to start, but it looks like Randall West is going to end up being the starting quarterback for them this week. Uh, does, does Rutgers have the firepower to uh, beat this spread of 15 and a half points or 15 points, whatever it was set at recently? Well, uh, I'm glad you brought that up about the quarterback. Um, UMass was one of the teams that I think slipped uh, under the radar for me as far as the depth chart. So I have to go back and and make sure we've got uh, the right people in the right places. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I see both sides of it. Uh, Our early numbers throughout most of the offseason have actually been higher on UMass than you'll find just about anywhere. I mean, we only rank them. uh, We only have them ranked 
123rd in the country. So it's not like they're, um, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're really uh, a threat to, to knock off a whole lot of teams. But um, we did in our early preseason projections have them uh, with a lot of toss up games and, and actually had them a chance to to potentially win four or five, which is probably more than people would expect. So um, we have this line projected at uh, Rutgers uh, favored by 6.18 points, uh, which is a pretty big edge if you're uh, comparing this to the Vegas point spread. Now, um, one cause for concern, uh, again, I mentioned our, our patrons have access to this, um, our Final score predictions each week actually also include um, a uh, position and unit breakdown and, and a list of players to watch for each team. And you can compare uh, the position and unit groups uh, side by side. And we have a column on the far right side that shows the edge for each position. Um, you know, who, who has the better, the higher ranked uh, unit. And Rutgers literally has the better unit across the board right i mean we're talking better quarterback running back receiver offensive line defensive line linebacker and in the secondary so that makes you know that gives me a little bit of pause and and uh that shouldn't shock anyone i mean uh, despite their uh rough stretch over the last few years Rutgers is a, a big 10 team they are a power five program so uh you know and, and they've had some success putting players in the nfl so there is some talent there we shouldn't be shocked by that but um the gap doesn't seem to be uh, 15 points, at least according to our numbers. Um, we were pretty heavy lean here on UMass. Think that uh, new head coach Walt Bell, uh, you know, he, he definitely lost some some uh, big time talent from uh, the previous regime, most notably Andy Isabella. But uh, um, you know, uh, I I wouldn't be uh, too surprised if uh, the Minutemen are able to keep this within. Uh, a touchdown to 10 points because uh, as as talented as Rutgers is, we just really haven't seen uh, this team, other than you mentioned, you know, the Texas State game last year, really haven't seen this team uh, handle uh, teams where it has a distinct talent advantage. Uh, so I uh, wouldn't be surprised if this is closer. Our final score prediction uh, is Rutgers 30 and Massachusetts 24. Xavier, what do you think of this game? I mean, this might be, I might have picked the most boring game of the week, but. I mean, it, <laughs> I'm not going to say I, I didn't yawn, so it's not okay. that boring. Okay, all right. Uh, but uh, it, it's definitely an interesting game because Nick's right. Uh, I think a lot of people, when we think about Rutgers, we always think them as the underdog. But for once, I won't say for once, but obviously, you know, we're posing the question, can Rutgers be the the 10, the double digit favorite and, and you know, hold that line? I'm excited to see this game as far as that is that's concerned. That's the only reason why I'm excited to see this game. I'm going to be honest. I want to see if Rutgers can be the big dog. And it's so weird for me saying that, but they're in the bigger conference. <laughs> I guess you can consider them the bigger of the two teams. Um, but, yeah, I just want to see if Rutgers can, can handle UMass the way that a Big Ten team is supposed to handle uh, a team like UMass. As even, you know, though, even though UMass – as opposed to last year, has been a team that uh, has given some FBS teams some trouble. Um, so I'm looking forward to this game for that sole reason. Uh, you've brought this game to my attention. I wouldn't have watched it otherwise. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look. Well, and 
Go ahead, Scott, man. just to, to interject real quick, uh, you know, this game can be as interesting as you want. It, it jumped right. out to you because you were looking at the at the line and, right. and depending on, you know, what you want to do with that information and, and uh, your intel and, and what have you, you could make this game as interesting as you want to make it. So that's very true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you put 50 bucks on it, it becomes way more interesting, of course. Right. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I would... Uh, uh, see, the line opened at, <laughs> at Rutgers by 11, and I like that line just so much better, even though that's still double digits for Rutgers is a bit much. But uh, I, I I, don't know. I, I feel like UMass can win this game, but now they're uh, switching starting quarterbacks. I thought Curtis was going to end up being the starter. It's West now, and uh, Rutgers looks like it looks like Carter's going to start, but it could be Sikowski still. I don't know what they're going to do there. And I just know that um, you know, Rutgers, they, they play in some games, but I feel like they play up to those big opponents. You know, obviously Michigan beat the crap out of them, but they played up to uh, Michigan State. They played up to Penn State last year. I feel like, you know, this is a game where, yeah, maybe they should win by double digits, but they don't. So I don't know. I just the big line in Rutgers favor is what uh, pulled me in. Now, here's a game that I picked that is the most fun game of the week to possibly watch. Ole Miss at Memphis. I love this game because Memphis is favored over an SEC team, which is a rare occurrence. Usually an SEC team plays not a conference team, and they are not only are they favored, but they're favored by a wide margin. And this game opened up Memphis... Uh, minus six and a half, the over of 68 and a half. It is since uh, lowered by a half a point to a point, depending on where you're playing, to Memphis by five and a half. But uh, I mean, I and I think I made this point to you, Nick. Texas Tech was favored over Ole Miss last year, and everybody thought Texas Tech was going to be better. And Ole, uh, Ole Miss came out and just stomped them. So uh, a lot of moving parts at Ole Miss, of course. All of the targets are gone. Um, the only retar- returning uh, a skill position player uh, is Scotty Phillips for Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Memphis lost Henderson, but Patrick Taylor's still good. Coxie is still good. Brady White has been there forever. So uh, tell me about uh, this this game, Nick, and what do you think? Uh, well, it, it's definitely uh, an under-the-radar under rivalry game. Um, and, and most people probably across the country wouldn't think of this as a rivalry game. But these these two programs are very close geographically. Uh, Memphis uh, has, of course, been you know the most successful team from a just pure one loss standpoint in, in recent years. Uh, so the Tigers are coming in probably with a, a lot of optimism. They do have um, a highly rated quarterback, as you mentioned. Brady White has a 100 in our uh, VGR plus individual player rating so uh that's as good as it gets and and they uh are a top 15 unit at the quarterback position so uh when you contrast that against Ole Miss is is starting a redshirt freshman I know a lot of people are really high on Matt Corral but um you know experience certainly counts for something and Brady White was just as highly recruited when he signed with Arizona State a few years ago and then transferred over to Memphis so um it's it's not a big surprise to see 
Memphis favored. We have them uh, projected as roughly a five-point favorite in this game with about a 60% chance to win. Um, so it, it wouldn't be a surprise by any means if the, you know, the quote-unquote uh, weaker conference or, or lower-tier team uh does win this game. But um, again, I, I mentioned earlier how I've done some writing for majorwager.com and, and uh, a recent post that I did just this week actually uh, touched on this game where uh, was comparing talent advantages, hidden talent advantages using our roster strength metrics, the average 247 sports ratings, and then uh, 247 sports also recently updated their team talent composite which is just a, a snapshot at the pure talent on the roster. Um, so using those three different metrics that all sort of uh, weight things differently, Ole Miss actually has the more quote-unquote talented team in two of those three metrics. So if if I were to look at that, I would think, you know, hey, Ole Miss, uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, an underdog here, and perhaps that's not a shock, but this team is talented enough to win this game for sure. So uh, if Corral steps up and, and is the quarterback that a lot of people think that he has the potential to be, if if they are going to feed Scotty Phillips, uh, like we've heard rumblings that new offensive coordinator Rich Rodriguez wants to do. Um, and the defense at Ole Miss is actually uh, pretty talented just from a numbers standpoint. I mean, all three units rank in our top 40 as far as roster strength goes. So um, Memphis has, has a top 40 defensive line and linebacking core, but the, the secondary appears to be the weak spot on paper. Um, so, you know, I, I, I could definitely see this as a, as a toss-up. It's probably going to be chippy. I know when the yeah. fall camp opened for both of these teams, both were chirping uh, through the media. So I, I would expect this would be a fun one to watch. Could get you know, potentially heated some, uh, you know, pretty close quarters. A lot of these players have known each other a long time. So uh, should be a fun one to watch. And, and I think Memphis uh, will win. Our final score prediction has the Tigers winning uh, by a score of 38 to 33, but should be a fun one. I mean, after the excitement of Rutgers and UMass, you're going to have <laughs> to calm down with this game, Xavier. What do you think? Well, just to kind of give some some deeper context on this rivalry, they, they've been playing this rivalry since 1921. Um, obviously, Ole Miss leads the series 49 wins to 11 losses and two ties. However, the last time this game was in Memphis in 2015, Memphis did come out to victor 37-24. Um, when I look at this game, this is a very fun game that's going to watch. First off, the Vegas line has the over-under of 68 uh, 68 and a half, which obviously means that Vegas thinks this is going to be a high-scoring game. So if you love points, this is a game for you to watch. Um, as far as Memphis is concerned, obviously we have them as one of the the better teams in their conference, a team that can challenge um, in their in their conference and uh, win the whole thing. Uh, for Ole Miss, we don't have the same type of sentiment, but these teams are on very even ground, in my opinion. Uh, when I'm looking for for both teams, for Ole Miss, I want to see what this offense looks like now without. Uh, they're two amazing NFL talent receivers and with a brand new quarterback. How well is this offense going to play um, in week one uh, for Memphis? I just want to see um, how well this defense is. I think that this defense is deep. I think that this defense is good for practically any conference. I think that just because they're an AAC team doesn't mean anything in this in this situation. And I, I want to see them against an SEC team who – as we know from watching the SEC, they're going to try to out-physical them. 
Um, they're going to try that whole, you know, SEC bias as far as we're the most physical conference in the in the nation. And for Memphis, I want to see how well that they, how well the defense holds up. Are they going to be a bend don't break? Are they going to be a team that comes fourth quarter? They have their hands on their hips and they're exhausted. I just want to see how well this defense plays because it'll give me a good indication of how well they're going to be able to play throughout the season um, in the AAC as well. It'll give me a good gauge for how good this Memphis team is going forward. Yeah, and week one always the most difficult to pick. So mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it, this one is going to be. Uh, I think truth telling, like you kind of said, you know, is is Ole Miss. If they get stomped by Memphis, it's going to be okay. We're going to be going through some learning curve here with mm-hmm. our new offense, uh, at least our skill position players. If they come out and they beat a team like Memphis, it's okay. Ole Miss uh, competitors once again in the SEC. But uh, Xavier, let's move to your game. Northwestern yeah. at Stanford. So uh, after I picked one with one of the highest overs, I mean, this one isn't a low over. I, I think it's uh, right around, woo, well, it moved down a little bit since I saw, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was, I thought it was at 51 or 52. It looks like it opened at 49. Maybe it went up when I looked at it. Now it's down to 47 and a half. Stanford, the favor by six and a half. You're going to hear uh, so much uh in the, like i i would do what the solid verbal does and do the 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 fantasy things draft about how smart these these players are on, on this game how much <laughs> how much are you going to hear that in the broadcast it's going to be so much because uh, you know these are both uh, high highly uh you know high standard academic schools and um they got a lot of smart players here but stanford the favor in this one xavier what do you think of of your Northwestern at Stanford pick here. Yeah, you can definitely play a drinking game every time they use the word intelligence. Um, <laughs> so as far as this game is concerned, I'm looking, first off, Stanford being a favored by six and a half, I think was, I'm not going to call it a stretch, uh, but I would have had them more favored by maybe three and a half or four. I just don't know what I'm going to get out of KJ Costello. Um, when I, in my notes, I put kind of how we used to do good bow, bad bow. Uh, we have good Costello and bad Costello. Um, down the stretch, in particular, this is the best uh, example I have. His last four games, two out of those four games, he threw for 300 yards. The other two games, he threw for sub 250. Um, what quarterback are we going to get? And I think that that's going to be a big uh, play here as far as how well this Stanford team is going to play. Obviously, they were no, they're known for using the run game to their advantage. But I think this Northwestern team is just going to roll over like some of the Pac-12 teams do um, when they decide to run the football and go into power eye for 17 straight plays. I think that Stanford... They're too smart them- for that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're at home, take a drink. Um, when, I look at, when I look at this uh, Northwestern defense, it's not, a, it's not a bad defense whatsoever. They have talent all around it. Uh, you know, Joe Gaziano, Patty Fisher, both 100-rated guys in our VGR Plus ratings who are going to try their best to stop this run, this running game from Stanford. A couple of notes that I have. Obviously, this is Hunter Johnson's first game. Uh, he's being thrown into the fire against a very, very good Stanford team. And, Clemson uh, I recruit, to... though. I mean, highly talented. Mm-hmm. Sure, I, but he hasn't officially won the job just yet. He'll there. He yeah, him he and, and Green, TJ Green right? will both play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that never so that's a weird out. one. I don't know how Johnson doesn't get the the bulk of the reps because it mm-hmm. it just seems like he's by far the you know the better player. But right. obviously, 
other people are in charge of those decisions. So smart they know decision a little more makers say that's they right. That's right. Or smarter than us are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then also, as far as going on the offense, can the offense please put up some points? I did a little math, and um, I probably didn't have to do this. I probably should have just looked it up. But they ranked <laughs> 92nd in points per game last season out of 130 teams, which from a Big Ten team, you're definitely expecting them to put up more points than what they did last year, averaging about 24.5 points, I think, was the numbers I came out to over last season. That's not going to be good enough in this game. Um, their offense is going to have to put up more than 20 points, although in our predictions we have been putting up exactly 20 points. Um, another thing I look forward to is for Northwestern, I see the same issue as I did for the Miami. Young offensive line mixed with a young quarterback. Playing against a Stanford team that has talent on the defensive front does not bode well for Northwestern. I think that it's a, uh, a position a place to watch when you're watching the game, and it's going to obviously be something to look forward to to see if they can keep Hunter Johnson upright. Because uh, if they can, as we know, he's a talented kid. He can go and get the job done. However, if he's on his butt most of the game, as we saw with Jaron Williams, doesn't matter how well he plays. You know, if he doesn't have the opportunity to throw the football. Um, as far as Stanford is concerned, the defense needs to continue their play like they did at the end of 2018, which in, they gave up only 26 points in the last two combined games. So. I'm looking forward to seeing if they can continue on the path that they were on last year. I know they lost some players, graduation and things of that nature, but the defense needs to continue where they were last season if they have any chance of stopping this Northwestern team and Isaiah Bowser. Uh, I think the final score prediction is realistic. I think that it's not going to be one of your higher scoring games of this weekend. Um, this might be your opportunity to take a nap if that's what you want to do on this long Saturday, because uh, you're not going to miss much. I mean, you might wake up in the first quarter and it's the same score in the third quarter. It is, it's very well possible. So, uh, but Stanford being of uh, winning by 11 is, is not out of, out of the question. So what do you think, Nick? I mean, this, uh, like, like we said, uh, two intelligent schools battling each other, <laughs> who is going to outsmart who all that stuff. But uh, I mean, like you mentioned, yeah, Stanford should be favored. Uh, I think they're the better team. They're more consistent. Uh, and anytime you got two quarterbacks going into week one and you're traveling, uh, it's it's not a good setup for you. So it it looks like uh, I think they might have might have gotten this one perfectly right here. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I know Xavier's telling me not to not to be nervous. You know, trust trust the process, right? Uh, but Stanford is definitely one of the teams that, that has me nervous just based on how our projection system just loves the Cardinal. I mean, the, the, you know, there obviously is talent. Um, this team, a lot of people seem to think, uh, you know, other very smart people out in, in the media have, have looked at Stanford and, and kind of see this perhaps as a program on the decline. Obviously, our numbers do not reflect that. We have Stanford ranked 14th in the country, uh, a, a considerable gap uh, compared with Northwestern, who is 40th in our numbers. Um, I'm not a huge trends guy, uh, but I, I, you know, it's worth noting Northwestern has really struggled at the, the offset of the season in August and September uh, over the past few seasons. So um, they're traveling you know, two time zones. Uh, this is going to be a, a fairly early kick, um, three o'clock Eastern and, and uh, or uh, yeah, three o'clock Eastern, I believe, and, and one o'clock there on the West Coast. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think Stanford is the better team. I think 
Uh, I'm a believer in KJ Costello. Um, I believe that uh, Colby Parkinson might just be the best tight end in the country. Um, he's really the only experienced pass catcher coming back. They lost about 70% of that receiving production from last year. So that's definitely something to watch. But uh, there's still a lot of talent coming up in that group. Um, the defense struggled uh, earlier in the year last year, but as Xavier mentioned, it really did make some strides late in the season. If they're able to continue that, I think there are a lot of uh, factors that uh, really bode pretty well for Stanford in this game. I know pass defense was specifically the issue, but then Paulson Adebo might be the best cornerback in the country, and then you're facing, you know, a first-time starting quarterback if it's Johnson or a former walk-on if it's Green, and, and you're probably going to see both of them, which uh, doesn't really tend itself uh, to uh, a quarterback getting in rhythm. So there's a lot of reasons to like Stanford. Uh, I'm just nervous because we're higher on Stanford than just about anybody else anywhere, uh, but I, I am pretty comfortable with this uh, final score prediction, Stanford winning 31-20. to 20. Yeah, I've got I've got Stanford in this game too. I mean, when you're playing musical uh, quarterbacks and all that stuff, and and just the overall roster strength is pretty well in favor of Stanford as well. I, I'm I'm going to be on their side. How about a second Xavier game? Now this game, boys, I I, I don't want to mess with it because I don't know what the weather is going to be like here. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Boise State at Florida State. The game is in Jacksonville, so it's at a neutral site. And we have Tropical Storm, I believe his name is Dorian, bearing down on the Florida coast right now. It's, I believe, as we're doing this, it's whipping through Puerto Rico. So um, not fun to deal with that. And on occasion, you'll have games moved back, you'll have games moved up, and all that stuff. And that will tend to mess with the line. And in fact, I'm looking at Vegas Insider right now, and one of the books has just taken this game off. Uh, so, um, or I guess they just took the over off because they, they don't want to, I I'm assuming, I think it's the Mirage. They just don't want to mess with, um, the weather. They do still have Florida state favored in this game, but this is a wide variety of spreads here. It goes from five to all the way down to three, which is, you know, I know two points doesn't sound like a lot, but. When you're putting money on, you know, yeah, uh, a field goal win is okay on some books and not okay on other books is that's huge. So, uh, Nick, what what are you thinking on this Florida State Boise State game, and what do you think overall uh, as far as weather games go uh, to bet on? Well, on the on the weather side of things, uh, first of all, I hope that everybody is is safe. I uh, about two years ago this time. Uh, actually lived in Puerto Rico and and was there, uh, rode out uh, Hurricane Irma and and evacuated Hurricane Maria. uh, Maria. So uh, I've obviously seen uh, the damage that that can do uh, to Puerto Rico itself and, of course, everywhere else that's in the path. So wishing for the best for everybody. Um, From a football standpoint, high winds and rain uh, usually uh, is going to indicate sloppy play, which, you know, this is a season opener, which tends uh, to be on the sloppier side of things most times anyway. So uh, a lot of people would say to uh, give uh, big consideration to the under, um, probably going to be difficult to throw the football, uh, even though both of these teams 
uh, are likely to to probably rely pretty heavily on the running game anyway with Cam Akers there at Florida State and then Boise State uh, breaking in a couple of different new running backs as well as a true freshman quarterback. So uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if they're able to play this game, if it's um, a low-scoring affair. Florida State definitely has a, a big, big roster strength advantage. Uh, according to our numbers, but the weather can can uh, definitely uh, make you throw those numbers out the window. So uh, because of that, um, it, it's definitely one that that I might uh, want to stay away from. Though uh, our uh, uh, game played out on spreadsheet here, where where there is no wind and rain and and all of that, has uh, Florida <laughs> State winning, uh, but Boise State covering uh, 27-24. What do you think of this one, Xavier? This is your pick, so uh, I'm blaming this this game on you. Whatever happens. <laughs> well, when I look at this game, the game the, the reason why I, I picked this is because it, it reminds me of uh, man. This is this game's forever ago. It feels like, but it reminds me of 2012 uh, when Boise State played Georgia. Um, in that, I think boy, this is another game for Boise State to to give itself more national credibility. Um, in that I think that I'm not necessarily picking Boise State to win this game. Um, you'll see my prediction soon. But I think that Boise State can come into this game and, and really give themselves a good standing in the national audience against a team that obviously carries a name with it. Um, obviously, I think that this is the most non-neutral site, neutral site game ever. Uh, you're literally putting Florida State in Jacksonville, which I don't think is a neutral site at all. But um I see Boise State as a team that can definitely bolster their reputation throughout college football with a with a with a good performance against Florida State. As far as Florida State is concerned, obviously James Blackman is back at the helm, um, winning the job and being announced just I think in 20, 24 hours ago, uh, being announced the starter. Um, in 2017, he threw 19 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Obviously, FSU fans are hoping for more for better production than that this year. Um, and once again, he's going to have to lean like he did in 2017. He's going to have to lean on his running game. Cam Akers, a 100-rated player, might be one of the best running backs in the country. Definitely is one of the best running backs in the country. They're going to have to lean on him. And I see that as being uh, a very scary thing if Cam Akers and, and guys like Tamorian Harry and some of these other uh, – Tamorian Terry and some of these other uh, – Scary Terry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get started. Um, against a, a Boise State defense that's that's not great at all positions. Um, I think that Boise State has to be uh, cognizant of the speed of Florida State. I think that you'll see that in some of the coverages that they run to start the game off. Uh, I think that they'll give these guys plenty of space, but that should also allow James Blackman to uh, to get a feel and get comfortable as uh, being the starting quarterback again. As far as Boise State is concerned, the O-line has to give this freshman time. Uh, I think that uh, I will reiterate that, you know, throughout the season. But if this, as we saw in the Florida Miami game, if you don't give a quarterback time, I don't care how good he is. Uh, you'll never see how good he can be if he's on his butt most of the time. And as we know, Florida State's going to get after him. Uh, the D line has some amazing players like uh, mm, I'm trying not to butcher this last name. Uh, Joshua Kando. Right. Yeah. Correct? I think Kando. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sounds good to me. Yeah. And uh, he, they're definitely going to want to get after the quarterback. And Florida State, we know Florida boys have amazing speed. And uh, for Boise State, you're going to have to get the ball out of this kid's hand. I'm, I'm thinking quick screens, uh, slants across the middle, flare passes. Get the ball out of his hand and make it to where you're, you're using Florida State's speed against them. Uh, let them fly upfield and, and, and attempt 
to giving this quarterback some type of comfortability throughout the game. Because if he can't get comfortable, then he won't be able to succeed whatsoever. I think our final score prediction is a little fair to Boise State. Um, I think 27-24 is flattering. Um, I think that if Florida State plays up to their talent level, I think that we, we easily see Florida State winning this game by in double digits. Um, now, obviously, with the weather being a concern, if they're playing in a literal monsoon, then obviously this game could go either way, depending on you know special teams units and things of that nature, things that aren't uh, tested for. But Florida State, talent-wise, should blow out Boise State um, in my mind. And so that's why I have Florida State winning by double digits plus. Now, I do have some bad news here. Uh, do you guys know who Kevin Roth is? Kevin Roth is a meteorologist that is uh, highly involved in sports betting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He says, latest Dorian forecast brings the storm to Category 3, landfall likely on Monday. I don't think they bring people into an area where others will be evacuating from, so the FSU versus Boise State game is probably a PPD, which means postponed. Uh Everyone in the cone needs to be making hurricane preps, and Tallahassee is in uh, the cone that he has listed here. So um, not a positive outlook for this game, but, um, you know, weather weather is sketchy. You know, it's never perfectly predicted. So uh, hopefully they'll probably – I'm guessing they'll have a decision for this uh, by Friday. So whether they're going to move it up a day, whether they're going to move it back a couple days, whether they're going to move it to a different site, a different week, whatever. But uh, just look for that um, coming up here. But how about a Nick game? SMU (laughs) at Arkansas State. Now, this game, I think, is going to be a ton of fun to watch. We have uh, a lot of fun players at Arkansas State with that offense, high-flying Kirk Merritt, uh, Kirk Merritt, Logan Bonner, and uh, it looks like it is going to be uh, two quarterbacks at uh, SMU. It's Shane Bouchelle and uh, oh man, his name escapes me right now. Nick, who's who's is it? Uh, William Brown or Terrence Gibson? William yeah, it's Brown. Brown. William right. Brown. So looks like they're going to go with two quarterbacks, which is kind of a sketchy thing here. I mean, you know, like we said, week one. Always the toughest to predict. Sometimes they're just uh, looking for uh, a team to make that move. But um, what do you think of this game? Because it looks like it opened up at Arkansas State minus three, an over of 58 and a half. The over has since moved down to looks like uh, 56 to 57 and a half, depending on what book you're at. And uh, SMU by... Uh, Three to two and a half has kind of stayed relative there. So what do you think about this one? Well, this one jumped out to me. Uh, It's pretty much been on my radar since we first saw uh, the lines posted uh, much, much earlier in the summer. Um, This would fall into our category where uh, the uh, CFB winning edge team strength ratings disagree with the Las Vegas Odds makers. Uh, we feel that this is a the the wrong team is favored here. Uh, some people call that a false favorite. Um, Arkansas State is uh, obviously favored by the sports books, but according to our numbers, and and this does rely pretty heavily on uh, SMU's huge influx of talent from the transfer portal. So some people uh, don't trust that, and and that's that's certainly understandable. But um, 
at this point, because of, of the way our numbers work, uh, we see a, a huge uh, roster strength advantage for the Mustangs here. Uh, Bouchelle, who I believe was was uh, just named a captain uh, at SMU earlier this week, um, even if he doesn't get all of the uh, the snaps, it, it, it seems that uh, SMU uh, is, is in good hands at quarterback while Arkansas State will be uh, – fielding a first-time starter in Logan Bonner. I know a lot of people are are pretty high on him, but um, he has less experience than both uh, SMU quarterbacks that that would play uh, if they are going to, to uh, split uh, snaps there. So uh, SMU has a, a, an edge in um, just about every uh, skill position category. Uh, quarterback, running back, receiver, linebacker, and uh, defensive back, we all see an edge. Uh, in all of those categories for the Mustangs, as well as overall offense and overall defense. So uh, Arkansas State does uh, have slightly better numbers uh, on the offensive and defensive lines, um, but the uh, Red Wolves only rank 91st in O-line strength and 42nd in D-line strength. So uh, not a huge advantage, not not going to be uh, a situation where they're probably going to be able to manhandle um, the the opponent up front. So um, we see this as, as a as an SMU upset outright. We actually favor the Mustangs by a full field goal. So actually give them a 57% chance of winning this game. Um, and uh, pretty comfortable with that. Um, and uh, 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 another bit of, of sad news, unfortunately, uh, Arkansas State head coach, um, uh, Blake Anderson recently lost his wife, so uh, he will not be coaching this game. He has stepped aside uh, last week, so they will have an interim head coach. So um, if we were to factor that in uh, numerically here, we would actually probably see the line move even farther in SMU's favor because they will be uh, led by an interim head coach, a uh, first-time head coach there. So um, as far as football is concerned, we, we definitely – uh, the way our numbers work, see the Mustangs as the favorite here. Um, so uh, obviously that's a, a disagreement with the experts uh, in Las Vegas and offshore. So uh, maybe they know something we don't know. They're a little higher on Logan Bonner perhaps than we are. But uh, the way we see it, this is a pretty clear um, uh, opportunity. And uh, SMU should be favored. Uh, we think they'll win 31-28. Xavier, this seems like a, a game you can bet straight up, right? Like, uh, just take SMU straight up and get those better odds, right? You would think that. Um, and I and I think that there's a lot of hype around this transfers. But my biggest issue is that hype around transfers and, and all the guys coming in. Um, because you never know how they're going to play until you see them play. And that's a very scary thing to bet on, is the, the unlikelihood that these transfers don't play well and that there's no cohesion. Uh, when the game starts, and, and that can lead to, to, to SMU not winning this ball game. Overall, I think SMU is the better team, uh, so I'm not going. I'm not going to go crazy here. I think that SMU is, is far and away the better team. It, they are by our numbers, and, and just simply by the transfers that they got in, they, they're they're just a better team in that regard. But I wouldn't be too confident to just bet SMU and, and you know, and 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 say a quick prayer uh, and hope that this team would go ahead and get the job done. I think that. There's a worry in my mind that obviously Shane Bouchelle is, is going to be start and maybe, you know, splitting time at the quarterback position. That would be a worry for me if I was going to this game and going to bet. Um, and, it, and, you know, to an extent, I would be a little, you know, 
weirded out or confused as why you know Vegas does have Arkansas State as as the uh, favorite coming into this game with all the transfer talent. Maybe they know something that we don't. Um, sometimes Vegas does. Sometimes Vegas doesn't. Um, overall, I think that SMU is, is, should win this game pretty handedly. Uh, Arkansas State is not very highly touted even by you know people in inside the Sun Belt as I am a Sun Belt kid. You know, you know we see them as as, as a middle of the tier. You know kind of team in the, in the Sun Belt as it is. And I think that a lot of teams have SMU as a dark horse to win or at least challenge in their conference this year. And I think that that uh, public perception as well should go into the uh, the idea that SMU is overall just a better team than Arkansas State. It'll still be a fun game to watch. A lot of points should be put up in this game as both offenses have been uh, known to spread the ball around. But um, SMU got to be all the way, in my opinion. All right. Another Nick game. I think this was Nick, right? Virginia at Pitt. Oh, man. Oh, well, this this uh, comes courtesy of our uh, Twitter followers mm-hmm. uh, and our listeners um, who voted on this. It actually ended up being a tie, and uh, I, I pretty much was going to pick BYU and Utah anyway. But uh, <laughs> this uh, Virginia at Pitt actually was was uh, got the same number of votes as that game. Uh, we threw it out on Twitter. Uh, who did you want to see us do a, a deep dive of? So um, this one also fits that false favorite uh, tag. And the reason that's important for us uh, last year, and, and last year was the first year of uh, the CFB winning edge uh, team strength ratings and, and point spread projections and all of that. And uh, our, our one of our biggest areas of success actually came when our numbers disagreed with uh, the odds makers as far as who should be favored. Uh, last year, we were 39, 29, and 4 for a 57% uh, win rate, which is which is pretty good. If we were able to to do that in all games, we would be uh, feeling really really uh, good about our system. But uh, did did uh, notice that that we had some success here. So uh, like SMU and Arkansas State and Virginia and Pitt and one other that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, we definitely see an edge when when our numbers disagree uh, with the uh, quote unquote experts. We have Pitt favored in this game by almost four points, and that's uh, quite a uh, difference. People are very high on Virginia. Uh, they were the media favorite to win the Coastal. There's a lot of uh, buzz around the program, and and there's definitely uh, you know deservedly so in in a lot of ways. I mean, Bryce Perkins is one of the most exciting quarterbacks that you will watch. Um, the defense has, has been very good under Brock Mendenhall. Uh, cornerback Bryce Hall is a 100-rated player and actually came in in the top 20 among all players in a, in a post I wrote earlier uh, this year for uh, fansided.com. So one of the, the best overall players in the country and, and, and an All-American candidate at cornerback. They also have a 100-rated linebacker in Jordan Mack. However, this team doesn't... Uh, really fit the uh, depth that we would expect from a division favorite. Um, We actually have Virginia ranked 58th in the country and 11th in our ACC power rankings. So that's uh, similar to how Stanford makes me nervous, how we're higher on them than anybody else. Well, we're uh, lower on Virginia than just about everybody. So that makes me nervous, but see an opportunity here um, where Pitt is – you know, just one point higher. I mean, they're they're 57th in the country according to our numbers and 10th in the ACC. But throw in the home field advantage, and uh, you know, we we definitely favor the Panthers uh, to win this by a little more 
than a field goal. And and there's some some reason to believe that there's some merit to that. It, it seems that even though Pitt did lose one of its uh, top players, uh, defensive end, um, I believe his name is Marcus Weaver, to an ACL uh, injury, uh, the Panthers still have a better defensive line. They've got two other players that rank in the 90s in our VGR Plus numbers. Um, they're a top 40 unit at uh, up front defensively. And the secondary is a top 25 unit, according to our numbers. Damar Hamilton, or uh, excuse me, Hamlin, is uh, a 100-rated player and, and one of the top 100 uh, players in the country, according to uh, that same post we wrote earlier this year. So uh, see this basically as a coin flip. I mean, these two teams are uh, very evenly matched. Kenny Pickett, uh, has an opportunity. He's lower rated than Bryce Perkins, but um, Pitt did bring in Mark Whipple, former UMass head coach, who put up some uh, huge passing totals in recent years uh, out there with the Minutemen. So uh, reason to believe that that uh, Pickett could take the next step as a quarterback, and he's got some weapons to work with, specifically Maurice French is a, a very dynamic uh, receiver and return man. So expect a lot out of them this year, and, and Pitt is the defending Coastal champ, so it shouldn't be um, a major surprise to see that Pitt is favored in this game, uh, according to our numbers. But, uh, of course, a lot of buzz around Virginia. So uh, in, in uh, terms of... Uh, whether or not this is the wrong team favored, we're on pit. We think they'll win uh, 24 to 20. Now, Xavier, uh, this this game has a lower uh, over-under than uh, the other game that we talked about, Stanford Northwestern. So uh, it may not be the most exciting as far as points blowing up on the board, but uh, this game is exciting because of what Nick mentioned. We expect Pitt to win this, and Virginia is favored. So what do you think about this game? I think I think we're right first off, and, and Pitt being favored here. I think that um, there's a lot of hype around Bryce Perkins. I think that that might be carrying in, in Vegas's decision to have Virginia as their favorite. I think when you have a quarterback as dynamic as Bryce Perkins, and for some people, and I know this might sound crazy to some people, some people might have him as a Heisman dark horse. Um, as far as you know how dynamic he can be and how high can he make this Virginia team go and how far he can take this team. Um, but when I look at, but when I look at uh, Pittsburgh, I look at a team that's just very balanced on both sides of the ball, and and that bodes well. When I, when I look at Virginia, I look at a team that's going to have to be carried by Bryce Perkins to an extent on offense and carried by his arm and his leg, as well as a defense that is going to take some time to come around. Um, the defensive front is rated 68th in the country, 12th in the ACC, uh, and their DBs are rated 58th in the country, 12th in the ACC. That does not bode well for me as a person if I was going to put money on this game uh, if I was a betting man and I look at Pitt and it's the complete opposite I, I see a team that has balance on both sides of the ball uh, rating ninth in the ACC on offense and eighth um, in the ACC on defense almost literal balance um, for both sides of the ball and I think Pittsburgh is rightfully our favorite and uh, having them as a four-point favorite is, is not going too far so I, I cannot agree more all right, how about the big game of the week here? Oregon versus Auburn, Nick. This is the one that everyone is going to be watching, so uh, we need to get this one right. And also, <laughs> it's the most, uh, it's the closest rated game of the week. It's going to be so tough. A lot of people picking Oregon to upset Auburn. It's kind of the posh pick, uh, but the line is in favor of the SEC school by six and a half 
points here. Uh, this is a neutral site game in Arlington, so there's no home field advantage either way, although if you want to say which team travels less, obviously that's Auburn uh, versus Oregon. This opened up at 6.5 points for uh, Auburn, like I said, but it has come down to 2.5 to 3.5, depending on what book you're at. The over opened up at 58. People have moved it down to 55 and a half. Uh, so what do you think about this Auburn versus Oregon game? This is uh, the most exciting one. You have the freshman quarterback starting for Auburn, uh, but uh, Oregon is a popular pick here. So what are we thinking? Well, uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind, and I didn't realize this till I was putting the sheet together uh, preparing for the show, um, we are going to have some divided attention in this 3.30 Eastern window uh, because pretty much all the games that we've been talking about so far are kicking <laughs> off at the same time. So we're probably going to be watching Oregon and Auburn or at least uh, you know have, have the volume on on that game and maybe a few others on other screens if we're able to, to set that up. But um, yeah, this, this is, is the game of the week. I mean, it's two uh, top 25 teams according to the AP poll. And it's two top 20 teams according to our team strength rating. So uh, we have Auburn 19th in the country, which is... Uh, in line with uh, where a lot of people have put them in, in you know, preseason magazines and, and other polls that are out there. But um, that's probably a little low uh, as far as our numbers go, because we actually only have the Tigers seventh in the SEC. So uh, we do wait. Uh, all of our numbers and our rankings have to do with which team would be favored on a neutral field. Well, uh, this is a perfect example of that because we actually have Oregon 15th in the country um, and uh, as one of the top uh, three or four teams in the Pac-12 and, uh, and definitely a uh, contender uh, in the conference there. And if they are able to pick up a big win here, um, and this is our third straight actually that meets that category, uh, we're, at, we're, given, we're giving it away this week, uh, all three in our, in our biggest uh, most uh, successful slate of games, uh, according to how our numbers shake, shook out last year. We have Oregon favored. We expect the Ducks to win by about a point and a half, give them a 53% win probability. So uh, I have heard some some rumblings about Oregon. There are some people that think that this could be a, a dark horse playoff contender. They do have a very tough schedule, and obviously it starts with uh, facing off against one of the best defensive lines in the country. Auburn is absolutely stacked on uh, in the front four, and, and they've got depth at that position as well. But Oregon, we have them ranked at the, as the number two offensive line in the country. Some people think it's the best. Uh, it's certainly the most experienced, and, and uh, so they, they definitely will be able to lean uh, on that as well. Uh, but it's it's striking as I'm looking down and, and looking through our final score projection here and seeing that edge column. Uh, we do give Auburn a slight edge at running back, uh, neither of these units really rank all that highly, uh, surprisingly enough, because the rushing game should be strong for both. And, of course, we give Auburn the edge at the defensive line, which we have rated as the third best in the country. But at every other position group, and including our overall offensive, defensive, and uh, total roster strength rating, we actually give Oregon the edge. Um, Justin Herbert. You know, he's, he's certainly not a perfect player, but he will be making his uh, 27th career start, I do believe. Uh, and Bo Nix will be making start number one. So that that counts for something. Um, Nix could have a, a tremendous career. Uh, he could, 
you know, jump out and 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 start it with a bang and and do a great job here in his in his first opportunity. But um, experience counts for something, especially at the quarterback position. And and we have Herbert as a uh, almost a ninety six rated player, and Nix is an eighty three. So uh, give a pretty big edge at, at that position. And then everything else is is pretty even. The Ducks probably uh, the the other big edge is at linebacker. They have a top fifteen unit, including two. Uh, 100 rated players where linebacker is is the lowest rated unit for the Tigers at 79th. So uh, they are starting uh, three new starters there and and the player to watch uh, might not even start Owen Papo, I believe is is how you say it, which is a good name for a linebacker in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, it <laughs> uh, nice is is one to watch. I've, I've seen some great things from him. He's going to be a star in this league. It, it certainly seems like going to get a lot of playing time. But uh, at this point in week one, the the numbers side with Oregon more often than not. And uh, again, that's that's our third uh, WTF uh, wrong team favored there. Um, <laughs> so uh, we actually. Uh, predict that Oregon will win this game. They'll escape uh, from the neutral site there in, in Arlington with a 28-27 victory. Xavier, I mean, I think if if you're boiling this down to one thing, right, and this is a huge game and you shouldn't boil it down to one thing, but when I look at this, it's a neutral site game. Uh, it's the number one game that's going to have the most fans in it. It's at the Cowboy Stadium in Arlington. I, I think I lean towards the guy that most recently played in a bowl game versus a guy that most recently played in a high school football game <laughs> in, in Bo Nix. Uh, so I take Justin Herbert over Bo Nix in a situation like this. Uh, and obviously that's boiling it down. But when you're talking about a team that is, uh, you know, favored to win, like we have, you know, uh, uh, Oregon favored over Auburn by a point. Uh, the the line keeps going back and has moved down. It's still in Auburn's favor, but it's moved down. Uh, what do you do with this game? You don't bet on this game, first off. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that I think that that's the the best you know the PSA for this day. I think um, if I'm going to boil it down to one position, it's actually not quarterback. It's got to be the offensive line for both teams. Um, who's going to be able to keep your uh, player, obviously? Uh, standing upright. Justin Herbert is a Heisman favorite, um, at least in the top five for most people. And he's going to be facing one of the best defensive lines he'll probably face all year, if not the best. Um, However, as Nick alluded to, uh, Oregon has an amazing offensive front. And I'm looking forward to seeing how good it is. Um, A lot of people give the Pac-12 a lot of slack because obviously their offenses don't have to play the physical nature of the rest of the country, as people like to say. But uh, if this offensive line is good, it's good. I I don't care what conference it is. Um, But they're going to have to prove themselves against a very stout uh, defensive line. Uh, For Auburn, uh, Bo Nix, I'm looking forward to seeing what you got. I I have no idea what you're going to bring to the table. Um, I I don't see them relying necessarily too much on his arm this game. and They're going to rely on keeping the ball out of Oregon's hands, and that's how I see this game going out. Um, But the offensive lines for me, if, if they can keep Justin Herbert upright, I don't even think it's going to be that close. I don't. I think a one-point projected line for a must is a little, you know, favorable towards Auburn. Because if Justin Herbert, we, we've seen him be what he can do if he's allowed time and allowed to spin the ball. The kid's, a, you know, a, a top-ten draft pick, in my opinion, if he's allowed to do so. Um, however, if they can't, and if Auburn can get to Justin Herbert and get him rattled, then obviously the projected line looks closer in that regard. Um, so offensive line, we'll see what you got on Saturday. Um, final 
for me, I definitely see Oregon winning this game. Um, sorry, SEC fans. That's going to be our first big loss and the one we're going to have to talk about on Twitter all week. So Keep talking that. about how soft those Pac-12 teams are and then favor <laughs> them against the SEC. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. So, uh, But uh, I'm going to insult you a little more here. Uh, Homer! <laughs> Georgia at <laughs> Vanderbilt. Uh, look at that. Surprisingly... Uh, th- somehow this wound up on our sheet here. This Georgia one Vanderbilt. snuck in. I yeah. don't know how it happened. Yeah, I don't know how it happened, boys. Uh, Georgia at Vanderbilt. Georgia, obviously a huge favorite in this game. Uh, Vandy, um, they're replacing the quarterback. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but uh, they're going to split reps at QB for this game, aren't they? I have not seen an official word, but it, it the, the depth chart says... Uh, Riley Neal or uh, Deuce Wallace, I believe. So it, it, it definitely seems like both will play. Um, Riley Neal is the highest rated player according to our numbers because of his uh, time at Ball State. He was able to rack up some production points uh, as a longtime starter for the Cardinals. But uh, yeah, I, I, I expect we might see both. But uh, if, if I were to uh, projected. I think Neil probably has a chance to become the full-time starter, and and if he plays well here, maybe maybe he'll get the the job earlier, uh, sooner rather than later. And, and so, uh, obviously, like I just mentioned, the Oregon and Auburn game, that one is a huge. It, it matters a lot what what quarterback you're starting. I really don't buy into the the musical quarterback stuff. I hated it. Purdue did it all year last year, or for a big chunk of last year. I don't like that stuff. I just pick pick your guy and go. And Georgia's definitely done that. Now, they lost a lot as far as pass catchers go. All their top three wide receivers and tight end all gone off to the NFL. Um, they are returning Jake Fromm, uh, who's obviously a highly uh, you know touted prospect and an NFL prospect as well. And DeAndre Swift, very experienced running back coming back. Uh, and uh, these teams are both decent, but it, it's a... Georgia giant line here it opened up at 19 and a half and it's moved up. It's 21 and a half to 21, depending on the book. The, uh, the over under has kind of stayed, uh, the same here at 58 to 57 and a half. So, uh, Nick, you know, we'll start with Nick before, uh, Xavier Homer's out. Uh, what do you think <laughs> of Georgia at Vanderbilt this week? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's different. Georgia doesn't often open up, Uh, in SEC play, uh, at least in the last few decades. Um, So going on the road is, is, you know, it's, it's always uh, a little more difficult than we sometimes anticipate that it could be. Uh, Vanderbilt stadium is not uh, the most raucous uh, home crowd, but uh, there's some optimism in Nashville for the Commodores, especially uh, with their offensive skill position players. Um, So I would not be surprised if, uh, Vanderbilt makes this one interesting. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn is easily one of the most electric running backs in the country. Uh, and there are some good pass catchers there as well with Kalijah Lipscomb uh, and Jared Pickney, the tight end. So uh, Vanderbilt can put up some points and Georgia is perhaps slightly susceptible defensively uh linebacker they're pretty much starting over there uh, uh jermaine johnson who we saw a little bit in uh, last chance you uh looks like he's going to be a starter there one of three or four new starters uh in the linebacking core but uh you know talking about that as a potential weakness or receiver as a potential weakness 
the linebackers are, are ranked 37th as far as roster strength and the receivers are, are a top 10 unit, according to our numbers, even even though, uh, as you mentioned, they lost all that production. So uh, Georgia's the most talented team uh, on the field. Um, and actually, I mentioned that we redid our rankings uh, just earlier today based off of the uh, injury news at Alabama. Uh, Georgia now, according to our overall roster strength, is actually the most talented team in the sec alabama dropped all the way to fifth um from uh, from that news so uh if if this georgia team were to play uh that alabama team we would actually favor um georgia slightly as as the most talented team so um that's that's a change from where we've been all off season and, and that shows really the strength of this team it's it's definitely an sec contender a playoff contender and, and a national championship contender as well um, a lot of things can change over the course of the year, but, um, you know, this, this team looks loaded just about everywhere. Xavier, uh, do you have Georgia by 30? Well, what's, no, what's I don't doing? actually, um, <laughs> the reason why I picked this game outside of obviously being a fan, um, is I think that I, I'm wanting to see the weaknesses of Georgia in this ball game. I think that games like this against a, obviously a, a rival and a team that we play every single season this early doesn't allow necessarily for as much sloppiness. Um, and, I'm, and I'm really wanting to see, obviously, the pass catchers. I want to see who steps up in this game um, and who's, you know, who's going to step to be that receiver for Jake Fromm this year. Um, and more so than anything, I just want to see if the Georgia defense can get pressure. Uh, we finished, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it was definitely, well, we were definitely one of the worst teams last year in the country as far as getting pressure on the quarterback and definitely getting sacks. Um, and I just want to see if that has changed um, in the in, in this year and um against an sec opponent you're obviously they obviously know you know your your strengths and your weaknesses throughout the last couple of years and that's something big for me because as far as georgia is concerned and a lot of teams especially the next one we're going to talk about in a houston oklahoma game i'm also looking gr- big scale with it which is is this georgia team do they look like a national championship contender um we all know georgia's schedule this year is not easy in any strength by any means they have you know auburn uh, notre dame texas a&m etc I want to see how well they'll be able to translate this game into going forward. So if they're still not getting pressure against a lower-ranked SEC team in Vanderbilt, even though it might be week one, that's going to be concerning for me um, as far as you know having them in a national championship selection um, as I do going forward. So that's really why I picked this game. I just want to see how they'll translate against a lower SEC team and kind of compare that against the teams that are on their schedule coming up. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one to watch, but I think this is a Georgia stomping. I mean, and I'm the non-homer here, so uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll I, I would agree with that. Twenty-one points. I I think that it would be closer to that. Uh, we've got them favored, like Nick said, uh, by by uh, just over thirteen. So uh, it should be a fun game to watch, nonetheless. Just to, at least we can get a sense of what the new skill position players at Georgia are gonna look like now. My last game that I pick, guys, is uh, Houston at Oklahoma. And I picked this one because the over is just enormous in this one. This is going to be one of the most fun games to watch of the week, absolutely. And this is uh, the the over has um, gone down a little bit, but it opened up at uh, Oklahoma by 23.5. And the over is 80 to 79 and a half. And I've seen it higher than that in a couple spots as well. Um, Nick, I, I think Oklahoma wins this game going away, 
but does Houston have enough uh, firepower? That Oklahoma defense looked bad last year. They have to make a big improvement, but I, it's a tough matchup for week one to show improvement because Houston's offense is so good. So do you, do we think this game is going to hit that 79 to 80 points? Well, our, our final score prediction is right on 79. So I uh, <laughs> oh. do see this as a, as a very high <laughs> scoring game. And uh, though we do uh, project Houston to cover, we only have Oklahoma favored by 19.18 points. Um, it's worth noting that our numbers actually uh, are pretty high on the Oklahoma defense. So, uh, that's a surprise because obviously the Sooners were uh, incredibly uh, awful, terrible. Aw- <laughs> <laughs> that was, they, they, they were, were not good uh, last year. They were not good last year uh, at at the uh, the whole tackling and uh, covering and and whatnot. Playing so that's right. <laughs> uh, so the fact that they actually rank third in roster strength on the defensive side of the football uh, is a is it's interesting to it's me. One. Uh, it is recruiting, absolutely. And so there, there's talent there. Will Alex Grinch, uh, the new defensive coordinator coming over from Ohio State, will he be able to get that talent to play to its potential? Um, or perhaps is this a situation where a lot of these guys were uh, just highly overrated coming out of high school? So um, it, it's, a, it's a situation that intrigues me because our numbers are so high on Oklahoma's defense contrasting that with the fact that we still expect Houston uh, to be in this game. So that shows you how talented the Cougars are on offense. De'Eric King obviously is, uh, I've said this about a few people, but I think I, I, I mean it most when I say Derek King is one of the most exciting quarterbacks, electric, dynamic, whatever your adjective is, uh, quarterbacks in the country. He only played 11 games last year and accounted for 50 total touchdowns. He can beat you with his arm and with his feet. Um, and he's got weapons to work with. I mean, our, our receiving core, actually, uh, we only rate uh, the Cougs 39th in the country, um, but uh Based on the numbers that they put up last year out of that unit, uh, this really probably, you know, could argue as a top 20 uh, receiving core. Um, so uh, new new head coach Dana Holgerson has some weapons to work with. They do have a, a pretty solid offensive line, according to our numbers as well. But Houston has some concerns on the defensive side of the football. Their linebackers rank 104th in the country uh, in roster strength, and the highest-rated unit is the defensive line at 59th. So uh, on paper, it looks like Oklahoma uh, should just uh, dominate offensively. Um, Jalen Hurts is a 100-rated player. We're pretty high on him, did some good things at Alabama. Uh, Obviously, uh, there are varying opinions, uh, particularly on whether, you know, how good he is uh, distributing the football. Um, but uh, he's he's a runner. He's a passer. Uh, Lincoln Riley can uh, scheme, can draw plays with anybody. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see CeeDee Lamb just running uh, untouched uh, across the field and, and you know, just uh, uh, huge areas of green grass uh, between he and the next defender for Jalen Hurts to, to throw it to. So uh, expect a lot of points. Uh, our final score predictions, Oklahoma 49, Houston 30. But don't be surprised if uh, add on a couple of touchdowns to, to that one way or the other. So definitely should be a shootout. But Oklahoma is, is 
the more talented team uh, on both sides of the football, really. But uh, our numbers give a huge advantage to the defense, uh, believe it or not. Xavier, what what do you think? Are they going to hit the over? I said, we all know why you picked this game. Uh, we're, we're, we're ex- you're expecting for Houston to go out with the upset. I mean, let's, let's oh, just be honest. Come let's, on. Let's, I would, let's, look, I, let's, I would do a somersault if that was the case, but that is not why I picked this game. The Eric <laughs> King is going to go for six touchdowns. Oh, Jalen Hurts yeah, is going to go it. two picks. You know, let me just go ahead and give you your thoughts of grandeur. Don't, don't even worry about it. Uh, but, uh, no, I see Oklahoma definitely covering, and I think that this is going to be a shootout. Um, now, I wouldn't be surprised – and this isn't to get Houston's hopes up or yours, that this game is definitely close by the midway point of the third quarter. I just think at some point in the game, I don't know when that's going to be the case, but at some point Oklahoma is going to take off and and, and really flex its muscles. It's going to remind me somewhat of the Oklahoma-UCLA game, um, in my opinion, although I think Houston's going to play better than UCLA. But to start off that game, Oklahoma looked a little shaky. Um, and obviously, you know, they got the wheels going, and then we all know how that game ended. That's how I kind of see this game going. Oklahoma, obviously the better team. I'm just kind of – I want to see how well Jalen Hurts plays. Um, I, I know there's a lot of hype around him, you know, possibly being a Heisman winner, maybe taking Oklahoma to the college football playoff. Uh. I just want to see, you know – Oh, and I'm the homer. Uh, <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, I just, I, I just want to see how Jalen Hurts plays in his first game for Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, he has – a ridiculous amount of weapons. So, I mean, he could honestly sneeze as he throws the football and he'd probably hit a target. Um, but Oklahoma should cover. They should win this game by more than uh, 19, in my opinion, at the end of the day. And uh, 80 points is not a stretch whatsoever. I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if it was 90 by the end of the game. Whoa. Well, uh, that would be a lot of fun to watch. And I hope it is because that means Oklahoma's defense is just as bad as it was last year. So we'll see if we get to that. <laughs> But it's going to be a fun week one. Football is back, and we are ready for it. I'm actually going to be doing the um, the updates on FNTSY Radio on Saturday, so you guys can check right. me out there. Um, but we want you to join in the fun with us, and to do that, you got to join the CFB Winning Edge Patreon. Nick, tell them all about it. CFB Winning Edge uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. We uh, dove fairly deep into 10 games uh, here, but uh, our numbers are uh, available to our patrons for every FBS versus FBS uh, matchup throughout the entire season. We do a uh, projected point spread for every game uh, between two FBS teams, and we do final score predictions roughly 24 hours before uh, the games kick off. Uh, We like to provide uh, our information, our ratings, player ratings, and coach ratings, team ratings, obviously, um, and uh, those projected point spreads uh, provide that information to you. You can use it however you see fit. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we, we would love for you to support this podcast, uh, support our ability to keep these numbers, uh, updated as quickly as possible and as accurately as possible. Um, so, uh, if you would join us at patreon.com slash CFB winning edge, you can join for as little as $5 per month or, uh, join, uh, at tier two for our, uh, full access to over 11, thousand individual player ratings uh sorted by depth chart and position for all 130 teams uh or our tier three gives you uh full access to our nine different sets of power rankings we've been talking about one here our publicly available uh what we call red uh just the color it is in the spreadsheet um 
that's what we've been talking about, but we've got eight others uh, available for tier three as well. And we track all of those through the course of the year. So if you're interested in that information, do join us, uh, help support this podcast and, and CFB Winning Edge. And uh, we thank you very much to our uh, supporters who've joined us recently. And uh, with that, we're going to end it here. Remember, you can find us on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge, at Xavier underscore Trish, that's T-R-I-C-H-E, and at Bogman Sports. And we will see you guys for week two. Good luck with all your bets. Week one, everybody. We'll see you. See ya.